Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I understand the challenge that we're about to play the best team in the ACC, and we're going to need to do some things and play our best to have an opportunity to win. The Orange Zone, sponsored by Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks. What's up, what's up? Welcome into the Orange Zone podcast, the award-winning Orange Zone podcast presented by Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks. Shout out our boy, Billy. A reminder, you can find every episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, I don't care, wherever you want to listen. You can also find every episode on our Orange Zone YouTube page. New episodes are released Wednesdays. We invite you to like, comment, subscribe, and be sure to follow. We have a new, we're on the gram. We have TikTok. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It's it's going on and on. And we have an awesome, awesome group today for this week's show. We have Brendan Hodges as normal and the producer, Mike. We have Samantha Croston. James Mongrow sick, and we are bringing in a guy that he could have done basketball or football coming out of high school. He ended up choosing basketball, but this man knows ball on the gridiron. It's Lawrence Poetry in Moton. It's SU's all-time leading scorer. He was a Vancouver Grizzly for the Florida State listeners coming in we have the man of the hour here and uh poetry happy to have you back on man what 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 have you been up to thanks for having me tommy and sam glad to be back um just been relaxing for the summer back with the kids in the school system you know dealing with that you know i got my degree in childhood education so congratulations my I, man i enjoy teaching the middle school kids you know it's a transition period for those guys and girls and i enjoy it you still a Clary? Yes, I am. Shout out Clary Middle, yeah, man. Clary you make Middle a big School. impact, and they're very lucky to have you. Thank you. Sam, how you feeling? I, football I, or not football related? No, listen, football or not football, I'm, I'm feeling good. But I do have to say on that note, Moten, that I really could see you being a phenomenal teacher. Like, that seems like the perfect mm-hmm. career path for you. Thank and you. I want to ask, like, what is one lesson that you try to give to your kids? Well, that's funny you say that because I'm not officially a teacher. I'm what you call a mentor and specialist or a support coach. So basically, if the kids are, you know, off track or out of control, I'm here to make sure to get them back on track. And I'm here to also make sure the teachers are teaching the right way because there's a lot of false teaching out here. Very cool. Very exciting. Yeah. Well, hey, man, appreciate you coming on. And this episode, we're going to be getting all into Syracuse and Florida State. We're going to be doing a bit of a recap on a Let's put it simple. It was a beatdown in Syracuse's loss to UNC this past weekend. We get into our game picks predictions. We have a little bit of trivia, which poetry is already smiling at. He's the man. He's the king of poet. He's a king of trivia. So You said it. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting into all of it. Brendan's already back there shaking. He's got the shakes all morning. He isn't even drinking coffee. So... Let's uh let's get right into it. So Syracuse coming off a forty to seven loss to UNC, and guess what? When you're talking about a, a get right game, I mean, end of the day, the next game always has to be a get right game. But this one is against the number four team in the country. This one's against a very good Seminole team. How are you guys ultimately feeling right now with the Syracuse team at four and two, and after what you just watched on Saturday? I'm feeling like I'm not even sure if you can call it that a get right game because I don't know that's exactly. That's what I mean. I don't even know if that's the right term. I don't know exactly what's going to happen or what's going to get got, but I do think that again with every game I always do feel this way that you either have success or experience. I think that this will be a game where they do gain some kind of experience. But what I would love to see in a game against Florida State, we understand how how great of a team this is, and that's something that we're going to get into. We also understand the fact that they are playing at Florida State, and that's going to be a challenge as well. But I would love to see 
them just compete a little bit more than we've seen the past two games. I, I definitely thought they could have played better against Clemson. I think UNC was a better team, period. But I still would just like to see some of the mistakes that we've seen be cleaned up. I would love to see some more offensive production. And, and just, just give it your all. I feel like in a game against Florida State, the way I look at it, my mentality would be, what do you have to lose? Really? What a great opportunity to go out there and, and in, the, in that small chance that you do win, I mean, wow. It, it changes the course of the entire season. Poetry, how are you yeah. feeling? Well, I'm feeling that I've watched the last couple of weeks. I'm, you know, I'm a diehard Syracuse football guy also. And I've watched the past couple of weeks. And the things is, thing that has been lacking has been energy and effort. You know, it looks like um, we're actually scared to play against ranked teams and teams that we feel that are better than us. I don't see our energy at all. And to me, that all starts from the coach. Uh, you are the style of your coach. If you have a fiery coach, you're going to have a fiery team. So, uh, Bavers, I'm not liking what I'm seeing. Uh, the guys are not giving me any 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 confidence of, of wanting to, to compete. Like Sam said, it's all about competing and taking that challenge on. And and I and I really don't see it. And, and I'm officially I'm really tired of seeing. Uh, not good football when it comes to playing good teams. And that's it's interesting you say that because some of the stuff that went wrong in Clemson, right? That that feeling of just some of the guys not being ready. Mm-hmm. Some of the leaders, the veterans making silly mistakes. Some of that carried over. And it's the last thing you wanted was to have a little bit of that same feel and it still just felt like some of them weren't ready to go. I do think that's true. And I mean, again, when you talk about the game against UNC, who showed up, who didn't, I was able to get to talk to Damian Alford today. I think these guys know. One thing I will say about most of the players on this team is that when they didn't have a great game, they take accountability for it, and they know. They, they come ready to the press conference understanding, this is what I could have done better. I know that you guys want to see more from me. And when we talked to Damian Alford today, just kind of asking him, you know, he had that breakout game against Army. He's been relatively silent since that point. One, one catch in the last two games. One and that's catch a guy for 35 yards, and that's it. With Gadsden down, you expect to be starting to fill that role, and we haven't seen it right now. Not right now, and not over the course of the last two games, which I think, you know, you had, you had that game against Army, and people thought, wow, you know, what could be here? Mm-hmm. And he, the guy just, just has a, I, every time I see him, I just feel like he has this massive frame. I can't believe how big and tall he is and whatnot. Um, and, and for him, he actually said, you know, as far as this week in practice, he's going to be dialing in more mentally. Um, I think to him, there's a mental part of it here because um, that, that makes sense to me. You know, he understands and he knows what his ceiling is. We've seen that his potential is higher. And right now it is possible, possible that there could just be a mental block. And that's why, like with the get right phrasing, it's like, man, you know, like you're going to have to prove yourself on a big stage here with a team that is not only very good, but makes very few mistakes. I think it would be impossible to ignore that we're feeling the impact of not having Rondé Gadsden in there. We're feeling the impact of not having Trevor Pena and even Isaiah Jones, who we saw the first few games. And, you know, ultimately, Gadsden went down at the very beginning of that Western Michigan game. And I don't know if you guys remember it. Isaiah Jones had that acrobatic catch over the middle. So there was definitely some comfortability there. And, you know, Garrett Schrader... I thought he, he was pretty honest in the post game of UNC where he's, he's like, you're dealing with the cards you're dealt with. And to me, it, it almost feels like having to create some of these new connections with guys that he just hadn't really built upon because of how many injuries happened. So I think a guy like Jones to come back wouldn't only help Schrader have that comfortability again, but it would help the other side of the field to have Damian Alford maybe get some more room. Because yeah. I know it's there, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, from watching the game, you know, Schrader's been in college for five or six years now. You have to be smarter. And it's just he doesn't – the decision-making that he makes at times is just makes you scratch your head and and wonder why is he doing that. Of course, Syracuse football revolves around Schrader. That's what I see personally. You know, if he's having a bad game, the team is going to have a bad game personally. Mm. I think that's uh, I think that's accurate to say that. And ultimately, a guy that is so strong in RPO, right? The run game just hasn't really been there for him. Yes. And when that's not clicking, 
you're right. It, it hurts. But the other coaches also know, like even Mike Norvell, I was listening to his um, press conference this week, Florida State coach. He's like, he's a, he's a very good quarterback. And it's because of that, you know, balance between his arms and his legs. Mm-hmm. And so they go in knowing that they need to shut that down. And I think other teams are very much finding success when they're able to contain him on the ground. It is very, very effective in stopping this offense. And it- then, period. It is, and and you mentioned that that he was honest in the post game press conference. I felt that that honesty continued into today. Yeah, what did, we, he, what did he say to you? We we got to speak to him again today, and actually, he said something sort of similar to what Dino had said. And just to remind people, on Monday, Dino Babers, that press conference, Tommy, you were at it, and when he was asked about that injury conversation, it did come up. He said, it's the same old thing. Our depth is gone. Our depth is in the transfer portal. You know how many guys get lost. You know what schools they play at. Schools like us, we're not going to have a lot of depth because it gets bought away. Garrett Schrader, in a sense today, doubles down on that, saying, I have seen this story before. I've seen that some guys are out, and then you have to build a relationship with some other people. And honestly, Moten, that's where I would love to bring you in to ask, how do you overcome a challenge like that when there are different people who are rotating out in in any sport? And, And how difficult is that to rebuild chemistry throughout the season with different guys? Yeah. Well, what I was always taught, next man up, you know, um, you have to be ready at all times and, and do what you do best and do what you can do to help the team be successful. You know, um, I did say that the team revolves around Schrader, but there's other players also. Schrader doesn't play defense, and and they score North Carolina scored 40 points on us. So, you know, I mean, you just have to be mentally ready. Like you said earlier, Sam, uh, I feel the sports, especially physical sports, uh, 90% of it is mental. And if you are not mentally strong, uh, you will get taken advantage of. The other 10% is the physical part, but 90% of the game is, is a mental, mental, mental game. And if you understand that and, and you're always mentally ready and mentally prepared and mentally doing your background homework on studying the, uh, the, the, the offense or the defense that you have to prepare for, I think you'll be ready. So this portal thing, it is here now. We, I don't want to use that as an excuse now because we have the portal and players are coming in and out it's like this you have to deal with it bouncing off that poetry um you know going back to what babers was saying about the depth and that was a big point of conversation yesterday on on social media where people saying you know being like this is very true given syracuse's geographic location it's not exactly the you know it's 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 not exactly a gold mine for getting the guys from florida texas california you name it but when he says it's getting bought away and it's and that's never going to change do you think that syracuse through an nil collective could end up competing and being one of the you know higher paying institutions in the in the conference or is that not something that you can envision here in the next five years i don't know if i want to give you a time frame on that or not it's hard to vision that Mm -hmm. right now you know because uh back to your coach you know it's all about styles and and motivation i look at Deion sanders in colorado and he has a great personality great style and he's a great motivator so other guys that are in different colleges they're looking at that so they're going to want to come to play for Deion. you know so if, if if you can run through a brick wall for your head coach and just want to play well for him that that takes your team to another level and it also goes along with uh the economic side of it as far as um um does our university want to play pay to have a good coach Mm -hmm. you know you have to pay to play and and not saying that Bavis is not a good coach but we have that there are you know you look at Alabama and Florida State and North Carolina and all these other colleges who have top-notch coaches and they're paying them that bread giving them giving them that money so uh you know that's what i'm all about but it's all about your coach and having that motivation and how he or she when it comes to coaching can uh lead you in the right direction to be successful well here's a segue because one of the highest paying nil collectives from Reportedly, what we've seen is FSU is up there. Mm-hmm. FSU is absolutely up there when it comes to um, you know getting the guys to to commit because of you know what they're going to be offering outside of football. And you know, again, Florida State, 
they get dogs. You know, a perfect, mm-hmm. perfect example, and Dino Babers actually tied FSU almost into his point where, um, you know, you look at what NIL can do because he says you look at this team a few years ago and to where they are now since that's gone down and all happened in 2021, it's a difference here. Brendan has written down 2020-2021 overall record was 3-6. and six. You go to the next year, 5-7. and seven. Last year, ten and three, finishing eleventh in the AP poll, and this year, five and zero, fourth in the AP. I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna bring Super Producer Hodges in. He did a lot of notes on this team. You and I, we we converged. We've been looking into Reddit pages, Twitter. We love <laughs> the Florida State fan base because they are so unbelievably invested. So we wanted to figure out what they're thinking, what you're thinking. Bring us in. What do you got on the Seminoles? They are very into Miami football, I'll tell you that, after that blunder from this past weekend. <laughs> oh, man. Did we all see that, just for context? That was, that was, take a knee, man. Brandon, give some background on that. So Miami is up three on, it was, was it Georgia Tech? Georgia yes, Tech. Georgia and oh, man. Georgia Tech has no timeouts with a minute left in the game. And it's like second down, so you take two knees, you're done. Like, game's over. <laughs> Miami goes home with a win to remain undefeated. They run the ball. Which, like, in happenstance isn't the worst thing you can do, right? Because it's like the second best thing you can do. As long as you don't fumble, which your running back does. They turn the ball over. Georgia Tech drives down and scores a touchdown with, mm. I think, literally one second left on the clock. Miami loses in the what's being called the worst coaching decision in college football history. <laughs> oh, man. Awful. Not to mention it was at Miami. And also, yeah. maybe this shows just the way that the sports world is changing a little. But do you want to know, the first time I saw that, all I could think about in my head was the people who bet on Miami. Like, imagine that feeling, how defeating that must have been, yeah. losing money in that it way. It changes up now. You know what it reminded me of, it, bringing it back to Syracuse, was Rex Culpepper spiking a ball on fourth down a couple of years ago. To, to lose against oh, Louisville. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. It's yeah, one that's of the very, that, and that's, that's not a niche. A, and that's not a coaching thing that happened. That was him in the heat of the moment thinking, I got to spike this ball to stop the clock and not realizing it's fourth down. This was just like, the players got to be thinking, Coach, there's, there's a minute left. They have no timeouts. Why aren't we taking it? Even if it's a shotgun knee. Like, no one takes a knee under center in college football, but just get in the shotgun, take the snap, and drop to a knee, and the game's over. I mean, even the announcer. Could not believe it. I, I just don't know what's going on here. Why is he doing that? Like, and, oh, you just, you know what? You f- I, I really, like, that's one of those things where, like, my heart just sinks for them because yeah. this is a team that's undefeated up until that point. That one play is going to change the, the entire rest of the season, really, for them, you know? You know why I don't feel sorry for them? Why not, Because Brennan? they were dumb enough to do it. I mean, and I, I think that. that's what Florida State fans were, <laughs> were getting across on, on their Reddit pages. Th- there wasn't a lot of talk about some of the bigger-name players, though, your Jordan Travises, your Trey Bensons on the offensive side. I mean, there, were, there was a, some, but not, like, too many because everyone knows those names, and they're, right. they're trying to be, like, in-the-weeds analysts like every fan wants to be. And in doing so, a lot of the comments were directed at more of the defensive side of the team. For some reason, like, they just hate their defensive coordinator and think he's awful because they give up points to teams that are in their eyes beneath them. Mm-hmm. And then I think I have a stat here if, uh, if someone wants to take credit for it here. If not, I'll just read it. Go ahead. In 25 drives that the first team Florida State defense has been on the field this year, they've given up two st- or three scores. They have themselves scored twice and gotten off the field every other time. That's 88% of the time they're either scoring themselves on defense or not giving up any points. And, like, a minority of the fans, I'll say, want to run this guy out of town, and it's like, And, and it's Adam why? Fuller, by the way. Give some context. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like, why? The defense is pitching shutouts in the second half for the most part. Well, this is where we open it up to you, FSU Twitter. Yes. FSU Reddit. <laughs> FSU YouTube. If you are if you are Team Fire Adam Fuller or just have full frustration with him, drop the comment below. We know you're having Brendan check in personally. We know you watch <laughs> to it. Respond to you. We we know you watch it because you commented on this episode last season. And that's that, why we that's, that's why we love that yes, exactly. Yes, yes. We I really will also this say they love their secondary. There are a couple of really mm-hmm. experienced guys. Uh, Cypress Farrell, Fennel, I think his name is, right? Um, I'm missing that. Fentrell Cypress II. I was going to say, I feel like I was flip-flopped. Yeah, Fentrell Cypress II. They, 
They're like, oh, we thought he was going to be the lockdown corner. He's good, but this other guy, Renardo Green, has been playing more consistent. And then they're really high on a freshman, Conrad Hussey, who I think had a pretty big hit in their last game against Virginia Tech. Yeah. But before, and, and I'm happy we're getting into the weeds, but just from watching last week, he was the highest graded guy on PFF. Trey Benson is a big time running back for them. Mm. And sometimes it gets a little bit overshadowed from the national perspective because you have a guy like Jordan Travis that's also one of the best in the country. So this is a team where, and you know, Dino Babers talks about it, you gotta figure out what you're gonna do with these teams. Are you gonna be stopping the pass? Or are you gonna be stopping the run? And I like to think that given the nature of Syracuse's secondary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the the dogs that are back there, and in, in the somewhat somewhat of chaos that they've caused in games past, that you almost want to test the luck with that, because I think the run game is the thing you need to stop first, especially because you have Jordan Travis as a mobile quarterback. With that being said, one of the things that Florida State, and what from what I was reading, is pass protection not always there. Syracuse's D gets they get some sacks. Mm-hmm. They and Mike Norvell said in his in his presser, he's like they will blitz you every which way. Almost about every single guy on that field will find his way to the quarterback. We've seen Justin Barron. Mm-hmm. That man's a rover way back there. He's he will come up from time to time. So he's like they're going to throw stuff at him. And that to me, and we'll get into this a little bit more, but that's one of my real big keys to the game is if they can disrupt Jordan Travis, because let me tell you something, they did not disrupt Drake May in any sense. There was no disruption. That man was just, he was, he was having a field day. He was having a field day. They we made call him it look Olympic like Justin Herbert. They made him look like Justin Herbert. I watched the game. And that's my like comp, watching, by the way. Yeah. Watching Justin Herbert out there, very calm and collective and just making things look it so, was calm, wasn't so, it? so easy. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, but that's, that's back to, back to what I said uh, Tom energy and effort you know it, it was like we were just out there just to be out there instead of playing with fire and and, and that, that that was a bad call about the fake the block punt that Horrific. was that, that was that was that. but I don't want to use that as an excuse you still I have agree. a lot of more football to play a lot of football was left and to try to use that as an excuse, I don't, I don't buy that. Can I pose a question to the group here? Yes. I put this in a web article I posted earlier today. It's uh, Tuesday right now. Um, if I had asked you before, if I had told you before the season, looking at the schedule, Syracuse is going to be four and two through six weeks. What would your reaction be? My reaction would be that's right on cue with what I thought. Yeah, it's Exa- pretty good. Exactly. Absolutely. And I know, yeah, like absolutely. when we made predictions at the beginning of the season, like even I said I would expect Syracuse to win one of a, th- a stretch of three games, whether it was Clemson, North Carolina, Florida State, because I thought that they would, having gone through the doldrums of conference play last year, it set themselves up to be more competitive in that. They kind of were against Clemson. Mistakes really got away from them that game. They weren't against North Carolina at all. Mm. And no matter what it was, I don't think any – after watching at least a few minutes of that game, which is all I was able to because I was calling a game elsewhere later that day, it was just like, yeah, I don't think there was any chance they were going to win this game walking into the stadium. And I'm probably tipping my hands here. I don't think there's really any shot that they win this one this weekend either. I mean, there always is, but it's – best team in the conference and you just got ran through by North Carolina I would expect not completely the same thing but at least some of the same from Florida State well if if you ask me I I really thought you know the the game that was winnable for them was Clemson 100% agree was the the Clemson game totally agree homecoming you know coming out you know I mean just fire and to and to start off the way we did and to play the way we did at home I don't like it. I don't like it at all. You take away those turnovers and it's a game. Yes, you do. You take away just but those two in the beginning. Begin- and it was anyone's but, but game. What happened, but it happened. starts at the beginning. But what happened, you got to be ready at the beginning. And the slow starts. The you slow know. starts are, yeah. you know, we were complaining about the slow starts. It started to become ugly starts. Yes. And granted, mm. that whole play in the UNC game with the punt, was that a first down? Absolutely not. Did that alter the total vibe and momentum mm-hmm. of the first quarter? Absolutely. It's kind mm-hmm. of that what could have mm-hmm. been. Mm-hmm. Did everything else that still happened would have 
would that still have happened? Probably, mm -hmm. based on what we saw. So mm -hmm. keep that in mind. I don't but know guess what? all of it would have still happened. I do I actually, yeah. I really felt like, I really felt like if that call was different, it might have been a little more competitive, at least for a little while. 100%. Maybe for the, for the first Absolutely. quarter or a bit of the maybe. second quarter. Were enough, they going to win that game? Was it game? enough to win the game? No. Then, then and it was different. Let's, let's go back to a year ago, or was it two years ago, with the roughing the passer? On Clemson, oh, that was that last was a year. winnable game. Yeah, now that was I thought was a winnable game, but that that fifteen yard penalty changed the whole trajectory of the game, and it went all downhill. That feels there. like a different story. Yes. Guess what? We're not the only ones on a podcast this week being you know covering Syracuse, talking about the ACC officiating. Isn't Florida State doing that Florida too? Florida State is doing the same thing. Those Reddit Clemson, pages call it AC refing or something like Clemson that. Clemson is doing the same thing. It's this. This energy right now, it is. It seems to be conference wide. Like they said, Mike Norvell, they've never seen him so animated on the sideline. That was about some of the more animated I've seen Dino Babers while that was going on, and his clear frustration with that. So keep that in mind uh, for what it's worth. It's this seems to be somewhat conference wide, and people finding some frustration in it. And I want animation in general, not just because of a call. So you want it from you want you uh, want him. More. Show me more person. Show me more personality and more fire. I'm 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 tired of the just this the 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 somber just same old look. I'm tired of it. Uh, that's just me. I'm all about personality. I'm all about fire, and I don't I don't have a problem with giving you that once in a while. But it's the same old thing, and we've been dealing with it like for about going on six or seven years now. I think what I will say on that is I think part of the reason why Dino Babers always sort of keeps his calm demeanor in part is because he really just is a stand-up guy and he doesn't want to let some things get to him. He doesn't want to let the team see him get heated. At the same time, I really feel like some of the coaches or managers or whoever across all sports that I've really liked are people who sometimes get heated yeah. and fight for their team. And I yeah. feel like Buck Walter is a perfect example of that. Right. He just got fired. But the point is, I really like the fact that sometimes he would be out there yeah. in the ump's face, yeah. like, you made a bad call yeah. and the whole, yeah. the whole crowd yeah. is cheering because you appreciate the fact yeah. that you can see that that anger is actually in a, it, it's sort of like masking the love that you actually feel for your team. So uh, I understand absolutely. where you're coming from and, with that. And you don't understand what that would do to the player. See, when the player sees your coach fighting for you, he or, he or she in the sport wants to give it more of their all for you as a coach, you know. But the, the little chill style, I'm not cool with. And, and you're a military guy, right? Am I right? Isn't Bavers a military guy? Yeah, grew up on the, well, what, on are we, the what are we talking about? And you know what? Practice, I will say this. Practice, practice he can let it rip. Okay. He's done it in front of us. He's he's got the fire. That in him. makes it even worse. And to so hear you that. you want it to be you to want hear it to be that, across you the tell board. Me he does that in practice. That makes it even worse to me, because now it's like you're on TV live, and now you're scared to be you. SU fans, let, let us know what you think. What do you think of of his calm demeanor on the sideline? Is that something you like? Is that something that that gets under your skin like it does with poetry? Let us know. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. But to get a little bit more into FSU, before we do our game picks and then finally trivia, Ashley Wenskowski, as we're doing weekly now, which has been a lot of fun, sitting down with the play-by-play, -play, the voice of the Seminoles. We're sending it out to her right now. I'm Ashley Winskowski here with the voice of the Seminoles, Jeff Colhane. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Ashley, great to talk to you, and, and thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Talking some Syracuse, Florida State football this weekend. It's a noon kickoff down at Florida State. Jeff, just walk me through your takeaways from this team. Obviously, you guys are ranked fourth in the nation, one of the best teams in college football, and certainly one of the best in the ACC. So give me a little in-depth look into the Seminoles this season. 
Yeah, Ashley, I, I think it's, you know, as Mike Norvell has uh, made it, you know, is, is at year number four right now with this Florida State football program, um, you know, his his slogan is climb. And this is a program that has gone through uh, some difficulties over the last six, seven, eight years or so, and certainly went through some adversity in coaches first couple of years uh, here at FSU. And the message has remained the same. It, it's, it's remained consistent. And after, you know, an 0-4 start to begin 2021, uh, this this team stuck together. Uh, they fought through some tough times. They did not get to bowl eligibility after that season. But from there, uh, this group really turned a corner. And, and the roster that Mike Norvell and this coaching staff have put together, uh, he always talks about finding the biggest, fastest, best fit for Florida State University. And so – you know, in an era in college athletics where you have the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness, uh, Mike Norvell and this staff have done a phenomenal job in in finding the best talent that is also the right fit for what he is building culturally here at Florida State. And, you know, I think all of us that have worked around sports and have, and have been around successful programs would, would agree that the best teams are the ones that are player-led and, and, you know, essentially monitor in the, po- in the locker room. Um with with that type of a mindset and so this is a you know certainly starts at the top with mike norvell but the way this culture has been instilled at fsu uh, it's a group that's player led um they there's a lot of returning talent that came back that could have gone to the nfl but they wanted to come back and do something special and, and do it together and do it for the fans and everybody here at florida state university so um they've gotten off to a tremendous start uh, by no means have they played their best football game yet in fact they've we've our heart rates have been elevated at times throughout this season so uh it's a group that's gotten up to a great start but still has uh, room to improve and i think that culture you described is something that you know a lot of other teams around the acc including syracuse really um admire and look to emulate in this era of conference realignment and nil as you mentioned um is there anything that's really surprised you off the bat about the seminoles this season um, no, not, I would say surprised. Uh, I, I think what's been impressive is this group has responded to adversity in a big way. And, you know, I think all of us would love to see perfect execution and stress-free games on Saturdays, but that's just, that's not how, how it works in college football and college athletics and, you know, sports in general. Um, this team has responded. They have been challenged. They have been pushed. They played a difficult schedule. They played LSU to start the year and were trailing at halftime and dominated in the second half, uh, probably with some own self-inflicted mistakes. They had to fight off Boston College in week number three, but they responded and answered. Going to Clemson and playing a Clemson team that I know a lot of people might not be as high on because they they lost to Duke and um, or whatever you want to call it. This is still a Clemson team with a lot of NFL talent and a lot of guys that have won a ton of games, and they'd only lost twice in Death Valley dating back to 2014 by one point in each of those games. Um, they responded there and found a way to win on the road at overtime. And then this last week against Virginia Tech, you know, Brett Pry is is building something with within his program in Blacksburg and trying to instill his culture, and they're getting better. And so after a great start where it was a dominant first quarter, Virginia Tech responded. Florida State kind of slammed the door shut after a big play to start uh, the second half with a kickoff return uh, by Bayshaw Tootin. So they've responded. They've answered the the call. And so even though uh, you haven't seen this team outside of the Southern Miss game completely, you know, put teams away or dominate for four quarters, when they've been pushed, they push back in a big way. Well, and that's kind of the beauty of the ACC this year, right? There's three undefeated teams left, obviously Florida State among them, UNC and Louisville, the others. And then even when you get beyond that, you have some other very good teams in your Dukes, your Clemsons. Where do you rank Florida State among those teams in the ACC? Well, I think Florida State's at the top right now. And and uh, I've been very impressed by Louisville. I think what Jeff Brom is doing is just you know, another example of hey, you come in, you want to instill who you are and you can you can flip the roster in a hurry in the portal. And he did that with a lot of new guys. And now here they are unbeaten 
and just ended Notre Dame's 30-game winning streak versus ACC opponents on Saturday night at Cardinal Stadium. And you look at their schedule, if they can win their next two games, they have a decent chance of being unbeaten going to Miami on November 18th. And so Louisville has been impressive. Obviously, Cutes fans just saw North Carolina and what what they're capable of when Drake May can get it going. And he's a he's a dangerous player. Uh, Mac Brown is one heck of a coach and has surrounded himself with great coaches on that staff. And, you know, their big question mark was defense last year. And they really challenged that group. And it looks like they've gotten better and, and are playing faster and more physical. So um, I, I think Florida State is the best team in the league right now. Uh, it's a league that is, is much better than I think what people were expecting it to be nationally prior to this season starting. We've seen what Duke is capable of. That's a big game next weekend here in Tallahassee. Obviously, Clemson is is Clemson, uh, and and I think they're going to have a say in how things go. And uh, outside of just the bizarre ending late Saturday night where Miami literally kicked one away, fumbled one away to Georgia Tech, they've been better this year also. So it's a fun league. It's fun to follow, and there's a lot of really, really good teams that want to have a say in this thing before it's all said and done. Moving into this week's matchup against Syracuse a little bit more, Florida State had their bye week in week five. Syracuse is still waiting on theirs. It's a tired Syracuse team, mm-hmm. not to sugarcoat it. They are beating up UNC last week. What is your opinion on that? Do you think having the bye week earlier in the season does help refresh players, or what's your opinion on where the bye week is scheduled? I think for Florida State, it came at the perfect time. I mean, week four in September, Ashley, we were on the road every weekend but one and our one home game was a quick turnaround six days after the LSU game less than six days Uh, I thought it came at the perfect time there were some injuries you know usually you get through four games depending on how the schedule is made that's usually your non-conference kind of window for the most part for Florida State there were two league games mixed in there with how the Noel schedule Um, you know and so if you look at the timetable when camp starts and and you take a, a look at how the season kind of calendars together, if you will. That was really the midway point after week four uh, for FSU after game four for Florida State. That came right in the middle of that, that calendar stretch. So perfect timing. And, um, yeah, I, I think in watching Syracuse, you're right. They've suffered some really big injuries, unfortunately. They've lost some key pieces and very good players. Um, but you really, you know, it's it's hard to control some of that stuff with the conference slate. Uh, I remember actually looking at this game back in the summer and seeing this stretch that that Syracuse is in right now. I'm just thinking, man, that is that's going to be difficult um, with Clemson at North Carolina at Florida State. Then you get your bye. Oh, by the way, then you got to go play in Blacksburg on a Thursday night uh, against the Virginia Tech team that's getting better and one of the toughest places to play in the league. So. Um, yeah, definitely the right time for FSU, uh, and I'm sure uh, Syracuse and everybody around the, the the Cuse program fans, everybody saying, you know, we, we knew this would be a tough stretch as we're in the middle of it right now, and uh, certainly it's one that is, is very challenging uh, across the board, there's no doubt. Now kind of building off of that, what are your keys to the game? Obviously, FSU heavily favored against Syracuse, but regardless, what are the keys for the Seminoles to come out and beat the Orange? I think a fast start's pretty big. Uh, Like we talked about, Syracuse uh, is a team right now that's looking to find themselves and get back to their winning ways starting the season 4-0. They've fallen behind early against Clemson, obviously fell behind early and Tried to kind of dig their way out of a hole against North Carolina last weekend, and that's tough to do on a road on the road against a very good team. Going to be a sold out crowd. It was just announced earlier on Monday afternoon that uh, seventy nine thousand five hundred and sixty uh, doing the war chant uh, here inside of Doe Campbell Stadium. It's going to be an electric atmosphere with an early earlier kick at noon Eastern time. Uh, I think a fast start is big. Um, you don't want to allow a Syracuse team that ha- has had some. You know, some recent defeats to, to gain confidence and get back into it. And Schrader is the kind of guy that if you let him hang around, he can win a close game late. He's got that kind of magic with what he's done and come from behind wins and game winning plays late in contest. He's got that that kind of it factor overall. Um, you know, making sure he doesn't hurt you. Extending the play is very important. And I think it's a huge game, Ashley, for the Florida State offensive line. They did a nice job. Uh, bouncing back after a tough day against Clemson uh, where they were able to pop some big runs with Trey Benson with a 65 uh, yarder or 62 yarder and an 85 yarder, excuse me, 
uh, for the longest play of the year this season for Florida State football. You know, against Rocky Long's three-three-five uh, look, uh, a guy that has, uh, you know, he has forgotten more football than any of us know. I think that's an interesting matchup with how he moves pieces around um, and, and tries to pressure Jordan Travis. One thing Syracuse defense does so well, they get to the quarterback and they force turnovers. And so that's a big part of it. If you can get to the QB and, and take the ball away, that's going to give Garrett Schrader and, and the Orange offense some more opportunities. I was just going to bring up the Rocky Long defense, but you beat me to it. And I'm glad that you did. Last question for you here. Um, just in terms of Florida State being around this football team all year and this obviously great winning culture you brought up at the beginning, what's your favorite part, Ben, of just being around this team? You know, the, 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 whole, the, the whole setting around Florida State football is special and Florida State athletics. And, um, you know, the leadership at FSU right now is as aligned as they ever have been with support of, of athletics with uh, Dr. Richard McCullough, the president, Michael Alford, who's just a phenomenal uh, director of athletics uh, and, and vice president here at FSU, and um, the support from boosters with, with Stephen Ponder, the president and CEO of Seminal Boosters, has made uh, – you, you see this, this vision and, and where this is going for Florida State athletics, and there's a lot of excitement uh, around everything going on in the Knowles right now. And so – you know, for, for me with this, this football program, it's, it's how they go about their business. It, it's the way they, they prepare on a day-to-day basis, uh, how, you know, even little things, how they treat people uh, around the practice field. And, and uh, they understand their impact on the community. And sometimes maybe that doesn't have as much of an understanding, depending on where you're at. This is a group that understands that this is very, very important to a lot of people. And they want to leave a legacy. They want to write a, a new chapter in the story of what Florida State football has been and, you know, has the chance to be here this season. They want to be one of those great teams that people uh, remember and talk about for a long, long time. And so, um, you know, as we mentioned and started this thing off, the way Mike Norvell has, has built this thing with the blueprint uh, and what he has created here, uh, you have a feeling and a hope that we're, we're going to be able to say a lot of great things about this team uh, for years to come. But a lot of football left to be played. Anything certainly can happen. And uh, got a got a tough opponent in Syracuse coming to town on Saturday. All right, Ashley, Ashley uh, Witzkowski, great interview there with Jeff. Love hearing from the, the voice of the other team. It really is a, a look behind enemy lines, so to speak, and it's a great perspective. So final thoughts on FSU-Syracuse. Game prediction-wise, who wants to kick it off? Sam, do you want to do it? Do you want to do it? Um, I will say, um, is it Florida State favored 17.5, I'm guessing? Yes, yep. it is. Scratch okay. that a little. Uh, if you want the method behind the madness here, I, I we use Google Drive for all our notes, and so I go back and I take the various uh, titles and stuff and rework them as I go through it each day. So uh, that is a stray North Carolina there. Okay. Okay. 17.5. Man, that is fat. I think Woo! probably should be bigger. I will say last week, just to let everyone know, um, we we had Ashley on, and we were right all around in terms of um, against. You know, we were right all around with the game pick. So I go to five and one. Sam four and one um, against the spread. I'm doing pretty bad. I'm two and three now. <laughs> the spread was around nine, and I said it was going to be twenty eight, twenty four. So I eat that one. I take it on the chin, and we move on. Are you ready to start us off with your game prediction? I am. I am. Hit us with it. Um. I think that Florida State is going to win this game by more than 17 and a half points. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and I think that for a lot of reasons, but another stat here that we didn't hit on yet, and this is part of my prediction, is Jordan Travis. It's almost like we talked about so many people that I feel like we didn't talk about him enough and how much of a dog he really is. Third-year starter, he's completing over 63% of his passes for nearly 1,200 yards, and this is the most important part, with a 12-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. That interception has been his only turnover of the season. Really, really good. And like I said, just a team that I feel like truly does not make that many mistakes. I'm going to go 42-14. 
on this one. 42-14. And even, even 14, I actually think I could totally see some Florida State fans saying that Syracuse is not going to put up 14 points against Florida State. But I feel like they, they have a little more fire this week. I feel like they're a little more hungry, and I feel like they will have that mentality of there is nothing – to lose against a team that is this good. And sometimes when you're in that position as a team and you don't have any pressure on you, it's actually kind of a nice fun place to be and you're playing looser and you're playing like like you have nothing to lose. So I could see them putting up 14 points, but I do. I think this is still going to be a – we might see more from Syracuse than we've seen in previous games. I still think that, that FSU is, is likely going to spank them to a certain degree simply because they are a much better team. They're a really high-caliber team. Yeah. How about you, Poetry? Yeah, I, I think Florida State is definitely uh, the better team. I, I'm, I'm not a numbers guy when it comes to point spreads and everything. I'm just straight wins or losses. Go with your feeling. Florida State's going to win, and it's going to be 38-17. 38-17. Okay. Dang, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like, uh, I like the sound of that a lot. I'm going to go a little bit lower with it. My thoughts on this. In the beginning of the season, it was I'm riding Syracuse till they prove me wrong. They prove me wrong. And now I'm going against them until they prove me right because I was really, really expecting and hoping for a better response, some anger that I'm sure was still there after the loss to Clemson, and it didn't happen against UNC. And I was really bothered by that. So I'm going with Florida State again until Syracuse proves me otherwise. I think... And I have to believe that the offense just does a little bit more in this one. And I absolutely think they will, whether it's through Jason Beck, Garrett Schrader, is Isaiah Jones back? They're just is Damian Offer back to you know what we saw against Army? I think we're going to see some better flashes, but ultimately I'm still going with Florida State in this one, and that's gonna be 34 to 17. Which would mean Syracuse. So you think they'll cover? Covers the spread by half. Tommy, a this point. is why Woo! you don't do well against the spread. <laughs> I <know. laughs> no, I this didn't is see. Why, this is why listen. Sam is on her way to her second uh, honestly, win. Her listen, second win. Honestly, I I came up with this score before I saw the spread, before I saw the over under. So take it for what you will, or take it. You know, I just listen. I need to make some ground in the against the spread category, and this is how I'm going to do it. So, <laughs> And they're going to play harder. They're going to play harder, I think. They are. And, uh, and granted, Doak Campbell's a crazy place to play. I, I would love to see a game down there. Awesome goalpost. Love the Seminole coming out in the beginning, doing, mm-hmm. the, you mm-hmm. know, doing the spike in midfield. Two years ago, Syracuse almost and should have won there. Remember the field goal? I do. There was actually yes. a crazy play, probably a hold on, I believe, Michael Jones. Jordan Travis ran for a crazy third down call. Correct me if I'm wrong with that one. But again, Dino Babers and his staff knows how to get these guys ready to go into that environment. So I think it's going to be better. I just think this team's a wagon for a reason. So trivia before we get out of here. Trivia today. I'm not quaking in my boots, as Mr. Uh, Sladek said. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. It's a new year, buddy. Going into the new year. I I will say I am still working on getting the prizes. Uh, I'm literally looking everywhere for like little crowns that I can put a title. We have a spin wheel here. We do have. We do have a spin wheel here. I just. uh, But we're not doing a wheel of punishment here. People can't see it, but just to let you know, I know you're only seeing the studio. But to give you an idea of the environment we're in, if you've ever seen The Office, right? (laughs) We look like we're in the warehouse at Dunder Mifflin. That is is really good. Anyway, trivia today. Excluding this coming weekend, how many times has Syracuse played a top-four-ranked Florida State team in the college football playoff era? As we all know, four teams get into the playoff. This is the last year I think that's the case, right? 12 teams in 2024. Yeah, so pumped for that, by the way. So walk me through that again. Hit me with it. Excluding this coming weekend, how many times has Syracuse football played a top four ranked Florida State team in the college football playoff era? In college football playoffs started when? In 2014. Okay. So Florida State had to be in the top four then. How many times have they been top four since 2014? Are you asking me? No, is that, that, is that the question? No, yeah, I, so, yeah, how many times has SU played Florida State while they were a top four team over the course of the college football playoff era? Got it. So not just in general, but the times that they've been ranked in the top four. Yes. Okay, since 2014. So that would be 10 seasons. Um, I think this is a trick question. I really Ooh. do. 
ready. Oh, no. He's already on him. He didn't even hesitate. Wait, let's just let him lock it in. Imagine it's just his first guess and we can just call it a day. I think this is a trick question, my guy. <laughs> I really do. And what do you think? What's your I number? I think this will be the first time. Brandon? You guys know how I work. You have to give me an answer, too. No. Okay, okay fine. I say lock fine. it in. See, I know last year they were not... Last year they, they whooped I Syracuse. I like that out of the gate. To three, but they were not top four. No way. Exactly. I think they were maybe top 25. I don't remember them being top four. Two years ago, they were, I think, they had a, a bad start to the season. And so... Um, it was not two years ago. Oh, man. I'm trying to think. I mean, like, the last time I feel like they were really, really up there, it was like, it was Jameis, right? And Jameis has been out of college for a minute now. Just to switch it up, I'm going to go with one. That's a good one. That's a good one, too. I'm going to... I'm going to ride with Moten because okay. I just feel like he probably has the answer. I don't know. I don't want to bet against him. You're such a bandwagoner, Sam. And you're wrong. Oh! <laughs> Finally! I went against Moten. I didn't win against Tommy, though. Tommy's right. They did play them one time. All right! 2014. I think Jameis was still there that year. That was the first year of the playoff. Yeah. What, that would make a lot more sense because I was like, okay, I'm like, I really don't think they've been up there yeah, since the Jameis time, yes. and I was, I was thinking he left like 2012, but I, I guess I'm wrong. No, he, that, that would have been his freshman year. Um, I think. As for my speech, you know, I'd like oh, to thank the, I'd like to thank it. the academy. <laughs> um, That's enough thank from my you. folks, my neighbors for he, believing. He is on a streak. He's on a streak. Yeah, you've been on a heater. I have been. Job, I've been man. feeling real good. Good job. Appreciate we missed you. Ya. I appreciate you guys. Excited to have you back again soon. Yeah, yes. yeah we'll be back. Football, or excuse me, backball season around the corner. We have media day on Friday mm. with Adrian Red Autry. Mm. It's a new era. Yeah, FLJ yeah, is back yeah. for year two. This man's feeling good. I feel good about this. I really do. Adrian, I'm excited for Adrian. He's a great guy. You know, and, and honestly, this is a, I've been going to the practices. We have a very exciting athletic team. And uh, he has all the pieces. This is when you're going to really see if he can coach because we have the pieces. Here we go, folks. It's all coming up yep. on the Orange Zone podcast soon. Yep. Brendan Hodges, Samantha Croston, Lawrence Moton, Tommy Sladak. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We're out of here till next week. Like, comment, subscribe. Peace. Thank you, Billy Whitaker, Cars and Trucks. We're out. See ya.